Recovery Elevator, episode 419. I'm just being a, a functional member of society again. You know, and I, I haven't been that one in a long time, but it feels great. Uh, like this? Yeah, that should work. Mix down. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Yo, yo. Mix down. Three, four. Yo, yo. Wiki, wiki. Three, Mix four. down. There we go. Seven, eight. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. Guys in the house. <laughs> I love it. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. There we go. Three, four. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill, and I am so excited to be here with you today. Listeners, on today's episode, we have Joel. He's 42 years old from Lawton, Oklahoma. He took his last drink on November 28th, 2022. Great job, Joel. All of the interviews, in my opinion, are awesome, but Joel knocks it out of the park. You guys are going to like this interview. Join Recovery Elevator in Atlanta, Georgia over Memorial Day weekend on Sunday, May 28th at 6 p.m. for a fun conference-style event at the Marriott in Alpharetta. This event is all about getting your connect on, and it will be a good time. You can even stick around after the event for some silent disco. Spouses or loved ones are encouraged to attend as well. Registration opens March 1st. Link is in the show notes for more information. Thank you, Robin. I want to say thank you to all of our Cafe Ari chat hosts. You guys do an amazing job. All right, let's hear from a fantastic sponsor. Let's hear from Exact Nature. Exact Nature's safe and healthy CBD-based products are formulated to help you with the challenges of quitting drinking, such as addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, and lack of sleep. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to exactnature.com and use the promo code RE20 to receive a 20% discount on your order. That is RE20 at exactnature.com. Hey, I want to say I just ordered Exact Nature's Sleep CBD supplement. It's called Z's, and it tastes great, and I've had some really good nights of rest. Okay, let's get started. Today, I want to talk about boredom. More specifically, boredom in sobriety. First, I want to make a blanket statement about boredom. Not all who are listening to this podcast right now struggle with alcohol or are sober. I'm aware we have family members or friends listening in on how they can be a better support for those who are in the throes of addiction or are in the school of soul discovery. I'm aware we have professionals such as psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, addiction counselors who are listening in to become better versed at their craft. And then what's up my sober peep and those who are in the process of getting sober. I think that covers our listeners. So here's the blanket statement. If you are bored in life or find yourself twiddling your thumbs at periods throughout the day, you're not doing anything wrong. Boredom is completely natural. It's normal. And one of the emotions on the Bob Ross palette of infinite human emotions it almost seems silly to make such an obvious statement, but in today's age, we are unconsciously wired to feel inadequate or that we are missing the mark in life if we are not mentally or physically stimulated 24-7. Let's explore this modern scene for a second. So you feel bored, you open Facebook, you start scrolling, and due to curated content by your friends and whoever you follow, now you feel both bored and insufficient. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, and I get it. We've all been there. In this scenario, we say to ourselves, wait a second, I think I should be training for a half marathon now. Or where is Mount Kilimanjaro? Or how many times can my friend Chad jump out of an airplane in a single day? But guys, boredom 
is normal and healthy. It's what is needed for that creative spark. Just ask author Washington Irving. Okay, boredom. Can you imagine the Oregon Trail or living life on the prairie? Reality was nothing like the 24-bit video game. So boredom is normal. And I'll even go further to say that boredom is a luxury. 100 plus years ago, we didn't have time to be bored. Okay, boredom and sobriety. We give ourselves many reasons why we can't quit drinking. And one of them is that life will be boring or adios fun. First off, welcome to the human condition. At times, life is boring. So to answer that question, yes, you will feel boredom. But so does every other species that walks this planet. So boredom is part of the ticket that you punch to be a human. In fact, boredom is the invitation for you to create, for you to ponder, for you to gaze into the stars and ask existential questions. Sorry, guys, we are not going to solve boredom in this intro, nor can you. It's part of the game. Turtles move about slowly because they are turtles. We experience boredom because we are alive. Embrace it. So then, let's pivot in this direction. Here's the real issue with this topic. Most fun in life prior to sobriety is tied to alcohol. This is for everyone, not just alcoholics. Many normal drinkers have a big problem they are not fully aware of. That is, that they cannot have fun without alcohol. It's almost hardwired in all of us that we can't have fun without alcohol. Thank you, Big Alcohol, for that messaging. And I want to be fair, when I was a normal drinker, alcohol did aid in the process of enjoyment. But for me, that wasn't sustainable in the long run, and it nearly killed me dozens of times. So listeners, your task at hand in sobriety is finding joy or fun without alcohol. Now, don't sweat it. That neural circuitry is all still there. When we quit drinking, we are recovering or restoring those past ways of enjoyment. None of us came out of the womb slamming a King Cobra 40. We all have had pure fun in the past without alcohol. Those memories are still there, stored at the cellular level, as well as how to have fun without the shit. Similar to how we aren't going to solve the boredom issue with this intro, I'm not going to tell you how to have fun in your life without alcohol. That's not my job. That's your job. I can tell you this process can be fun, and it should be fun. It's a very important part of sobriety, for sure, without a doubt. And listeners, who cares if your new pickleball racket is collecting dust in your garage? Keep trying things out. And one solid tip with this, the only way to double happiness is to share an activity with another heartbeat. Hell, being bored solo is the worst. Being bored with a buddy or a pet next to you on the couch is much more tolerable. Another tip, leverage technology. YouTube is amazing. Let's say you find yourself bored, but you've always had a mild interest in birds. What's up, Ty? Type in birding in YouTube, and you'll see people who share the same passion who are going after their hobby. YouTube helped me take my reptile hobby to the next level, and wait for it, I'm really enjoying it. Leverage technology. Did I mention follow Goat World on Instagram? Okay. You've recently quit drinking and you're bored to death. Coupled with that, you have a lack of motivation to solve the boredom problem or to do anything fun. Another word for this is anhedonia. Let's get real. This sucks. It's a shitty and real feeling that can come with early sobriety. It's intimately coupled with depression, especially in early sobriety. But remember, it took you more than a month to walk into the woods with your drinking. It's going to take time for the body to reach a new, healthier homeostasis. 
Give it time and play the tape forward. Fun derived from drinking is short-lived and then followed by an intense dopamine dip and some anxiety all a mode. My favorite class to teach and restore or our ditching the booze courses is about quantum science or entering the unknown of infinite possibilities when we quit drinking. Let's face it, you are not climbing Kilimanjaro if you're addicted to alcohol. It's not happening. Possibilities. When you're sober and you're open, anything is a possibility in this world. Let's chat goats for a second. I have four Nigerian dwarf goats. What's up, Mocha, Elliot, Oreo, and Hot Dog? To be honest, I'm not a goat guy, or a rancher, or a farmer, despite living in Montana. In fact, I'm quite allergic to hay and thought there was a good chance I was going to be allergic to goats, which I was for about a month. In 2018, I bought a house outside of Bozeman, Montana. Thank you sobriety and the money saved from not drinking for making this a possibility. The previous owners of the house had goats. In my front yard is a solid enclosure with a small red barn. Sometimes I would drink coffee on my doorstep and look at the empty enclosure, not because I wanted goats, but I would imagine them jumping on the platform and their fun squeaky noises. Little did I know, I was building the possibility of goats in my mind in the quantum field. In the summer of 2021, I went to the Montana State Fair and ended up in the goat barn sneezing. I left with still no desire to be a goat rancher. So then for our 2021 retreat, which we do yearly in Bozeman, we had a presenter for a workshop canceled due to COVID reasons right before the retreat. Totally fine, that stuff happens. As I was thinking to myself, oh shit, oh shit, how do we fill this spot because this person is a rock star, I thought of the goats that I recently saw at the state fair. I went back and asked them if they could bring their baby goats to the retreat. They did, and the baby goats worked their magic. All was fine. I didn't think much more about goats after that. Then probably eight months later, I get a random text message from the gal who brought the goats to our retreat saying they have four baby goats available. I looked at the photo, I showed my wife and said, well, everything's already set up. What do you think? Let's do it. My plan was to purchase just two goats, but when I showed up, I knew I couldn't split up the family and I went home with four baby goats. All of them escaped the first day, and one of them bit my finger so hard it bled. Goats have flat teeth. So goats and sobriety. Let's get real. Goats probably won't be your answer to boredom. But the boredom is the invitation for you to be open to whatever wants to come your way in an alcohol-free life. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's intro. I had a good time putting it together, especially that last part about the goats. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp, before we hear from Joel. In a perfect world, we all want to feel our best at all times. However, through life and recovery, I've had to learn to accept the wobbles that come with this journey. You've all heard me talk about my dip days. For me, managing these has come hand in hand with using tools that I have learned through therapy. I love knowing that I have agency and that even when I'm not feeling great, I can feel empowered to take positive action. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient and flexible. Also, it's entirely online. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P 
com slash elevator. Joel, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Yeah, Joel, I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us for the podcast interview. Let's get right into this, Joel. When was your last drink? Um, It would have been the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So I believe it was November the 28th. Uh, that was it. I decided to hang it up then after some stuff that happened. So just glad that I finally got the courage and the nerve to do it and uh, everything. So I mean, yeah, 51 days now and feel amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, Joel, big time on 51 days away from alcohol. I'm pumped yeah. for you. We're going to share your journey with the listeners. We're going to save time for those 51 days away from alcohol. I wonder how you did it. Cause I know there was a time in my journey, that question was huge. How the F do I quit drinking? Nothing is, is working for me. So we're going to get into that. But listeners, Joel sent me an email, I think probably maybe a month ago. Um, he was not requesting to be on the podcast. And uh, I read the email, I was like, holy shit, I got to get this guy in the podcast. So I emailed Joel, uh, he got back to me and here we are. But there was, there was something neat about that at the very end of the email, he talked about a sign from a higher power and where I'm at on my journey uh, is there are no, there are no coincidences anymore in my life. Everything is, is just woven together with the fabric of energy we call the universe. And I think it's neat. It's beautiful that way that works, but he was listening to an episode where I discussed a dream that I had. My mom grew up in Lawton, Oklahoma, which conveniently or ironically or coincidentally is where Joel is from. And I had a dream where uh, there was a tornado warning. We were in my grandparents' apartment. The tornado came, it did its damage, and my mom opened up a door. Again, this is in a dream. And she said, the tornado has passed. And I said, did I survive? And she said, no, I did not survive. And I remember that dream. It was an early sobriety. It was just so impactful. And, and part of us, when we quit drinking, part of us dies, right? Is there's part of us that is just, we're letting go. And I think the dream world is very influential to the world we live in, the, the world of form. But anyways, Joel wrote in, he's like, hey, you had the dream. And we had a tornado warning on that Tuesday morning. I think the, the, you listened to the podcast. So I wanted to get Joel on the podcast. We're going to get into your story, Joel. But uh, before we do that, give listeners a little background about yourself. Maybe where you're from, Lawton, Oklahoma, um, your age, what you do for a living. Do you have a family? And, and what do you like to do for fun, Joel? Yeah. So uh, from Lawton, Oklahoma, I've been here my whole life. I'll be 43 years old this next June. I'm a manager, district manager for a... Uh, a large retailer, automotive retailer. Yeah. And I got a family. I got a, a wife and a little girl. She's 14 and she's really, I mean, she's really my hobby. I mean, she plays ball, she plays softball and pretty much keeps us busy. Aside of that, I mean, we live in the mountains down here in, in Lawton. So we do a lot of hiking, a lot of lake time, stuff like that. So yeah, just spend a lot of time with her and the wife and I mean, work, you know, works, work can get stressful and all that kind of stuff, but it's nice to go home and just, and just relax and be with them. So, but that's really it. You know, I grew up, I grew up south of Lawton or actually north of Lawton, about an hour in a little small town and, you know, single mom raised me, came from a little bit of an alcoholic family like that, a little bit of alcoholic and addict family. But, you know, I didn't really get to know my dad until probably 13, 14 years old. And I really don't have a lot of contact with them anymore. You know, they were kind of a, I guess you could say a little bit of a toxic maybe relationship with them just because of the past and stuff like that. But, uh, other than that, I mean, that's it. You know, I live here with my family now and just trying to make a, a new beginning of things. So feel great. It's good. 
Yeah, Joel, it's great to hear. And and you know, we we before we hit the record button, you said that something feels different this time. Before we get into your story with alcohol, I, I just want you to to chat on that. You got fifty one days, huge, big time. Love it. Something is different this time. Describe that feeling. What do you think is different this time? I mean, what's different this time is just. I don't know. I just feel like mentally it's different. You know, I mean, obviously physically, the older I've got, you know, I've, I've tried to stop drinking so many different times. And it seems like every time it's gotten harder, you know, the depression's higher, you know, the the physical feelings are harder, you know, the it, it just seems like it's gotten a lot harder and mentally for sure. But this time, you know, uh, just some of the signs that I was getting, you know, that have never happened before. Like I said, I've never been in any kind of trouble or anything like that, but I could see it coming. You know, I felt it coming and I knew before long if I didn't stop because I was doing a lot more. You know, I always drank at home up until about the last year or so. And then I was stopping to get, you know, alcohol on the road, you know, on my way home from work. And I would drink me a few beers on the way home. You know, sometimes when it first started out, you know, I would start just right down the convenience station, right down the road from my house. And then it would be the next town over. And then it would be an hour from the house, you know, and then I found myself drinking all the way home. And it was just, it was so risky and just so dangerous. And I didn't really see it at the time, but I finally started realizing it, you know, this is stupid, man. I mean, what are you doing? It's not just about me. You know, what if I hurt somebody on the road or if I get pulled over? I mean, my wife hates me drinking, you know, she cannot stand it. And, uh, you know, I hid it from her a lot and, if something was to happen where I got caught or got in trouble or got hurt or hurt somebody else, I mean, gosh, that'd be devastating. You know, and I finally started to realize that I think I was too maybe naive or, or dumb in the beginning, you know, the early part of my drinking to realize that, but here lately it all started to snowball. It seemed like, you know, there was just, there were circumstances that happened within that last couple of weeks. It was just, it was just different, you know, and it was stuff that normally didn't happen to me. So I, uh, I had to call it quits before something bad happened. Yeah. And before we hit the record button, you mentioned the word progression, that our, our drinking is never stagnant. It's always changing and life can happen and it progresses and there's traumas and, and things like that. Um, and you mentioned in the email you sent me, there was three external circumstances or three external happenings that really pushed you over the edge into sobriety. And be before we discuss these, there is a concept about getting sober, uh, the tipping point, as I like to call it. In fact, it involves yep. Newton's third law of energy. That is an object in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted upon by an equal or greater force. And when I first read this, it was a, it was talking about addiction. It, it kind of blew my mind and I believe it. Right. But it's, it's an, it's a different way to look at it where our addiction or our drinking is just, it's like a freight train moving in a direction. And without these external circumstances, these external events happening, and we call them rock bottom moments in this place, without those events that happen, whether it be a DUI, bankruptcy, divorce, and we'll, we'll cover right now what Joel went through, almost we don't quit drinking. And so we, we have these moments like, I want to quit drinking so bad. And that's the metaphysical world, our thoughts. And our, our thoughts do influence our, our lives, like the form part of our lives. And it's crazy what happened in these three days, or, or not three days, but right before your sobriety date. The first one is is before Thanksgiving. You said you went out to get gas and beer um, and you walked out without paying. Tell us about that. So it was, it, was, it was the weekend before Thanksgiving. It was a Saturday. That's usually when I typically, I'd wake up and just, start hammering them out. You know, I drink all day long. Beer was my, beer was my thing. I didn't drink liquor or anything like that really. So 
uh, I was drinking beer all day later in the afternoon. I, uh, I decided to drive down the store, go in and get some beer. Actually, I got gas. I went in to get some beer after that. Probably pretty drunk walking around, went up there to get beer and then just forgot, walked out without paying for it. And one of the lady clerks came out and grabbed me and was like, man, you forgot to pay for your beer. Luckily, I knew her because I could, went there every day, it seems like. But yeah, I mean, that that was that was kind of a oh shit moment. And then, uh, you know, I guess it was the day of Thanksgiving. You know, we went to my uh, my in-laws house, my wife's mom's mom and dad's house. And we all had a, a big dinner and uh, they live kind of out in the country. And uh, there's a guest, you know, a town about 15 minutes from there. And I decided to tell my wife, hey, it's hot in here. Like I said, I hid it from her. So it's hot in here. I want to go out and get some air. So I took the car, brand new car. A matter of fact, we just got it like the week before. So brand new car. I drive it down to the gas station in town there, pick me up a few beers and uh, head back to the house. I'm shotgunning them as fast as I can. I mean, that was my thing. I tried to drink it as fast as I can to try to hide it, to get back, you know, without suspicion. Well, <laughs> I'm about four or five beers into it, full stomach of Thanksgiving food and end up throwing up all over the inside of this car, brand new car, down the vents, all over the leather seats, all over the navigation, just a total mess. So I'm like, oh my God all over my clothes. So I get back to uh, the house met by my wife because I've been gone for a while. I tried to stop and clean most of it up, but had my shirt off. She's like, what did you do? And I was like, oh, man, I must've got food poisoning or something, you know, just trying to, trying to do what I was an expert at, just lie and get myself out of it, you know? So finally convinced her that's what it was, uh, even though it smelled like complete garbage in their beer and everything else. So, I mean, that was, that was a horror, horrendous moment, you know, horrible. Got it all cleaned up, went on my way, went back home that night. And then it was that Saturday following, you know, we got home Friday and then it was that Saturday following. Same thing. Same thing as the weekend before. Been up drinking all morning, all day. And we decided to go to the movies that night. So I parked outside her brand new car. My pickup truck stays behind her. And uh, we decided to go to the movies that night. I've been drinking all day. Back up, wreck her brand new car in my pickup truck. Golly. So between those three things... Like I said, I've never had a vehicle accident in my life. Never walked out of a store without paying for anything. It, things were just getting reckless. Things were getting stupid. You know, I, it felt like things were crashing down, you know, and it was probably at that moment when I was like, this has got to stop. You know, I mean, my, me and my wife had been fighting a lot more often. You know, every, every time me and my wife would get into something, it was over beer. You know, it was because I'd lied to her. She had found a beer can, something like that, you know, so it was always something and it had to do with alcohol. So I knew at that point in my life, it had to stop immediately. So that's when I made the decision. I think it was that Sunday evening, you know, I'd woken up that Sunday morning after the wreck and everything else. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not done anymore. And then, uh, yeah, just went from there. I think it was that following Monday, I was going through social media and came across a lady, you know, her husband had just died from cirrhosis mm. and it actually, uh, told me about podcasts, you know, you ought to listen to some podcasts and stuff like that. And that's when she had told me about another one. And I started listening to it and it didn't really connect with it. And then I started searching and I found yours. And, uh, you know, that's when I started listening from episode one back in, I believe, 2014, got to about episode three. And then I was sitting in the Walmart parking lot in Lawton, Oklahoma on that day, listening to your podcast. And then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, you know, you told your story in episode three about that dream in 2014 where you had you know, the tornado when you didn't come out, you, did, you didn't come out of it alive and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, what is the odds? You know, I mean, I stopped drinking, come across your podcast. And then, you know, that night, you know, I said, it's in December. 
Yeah, it was in December, and uh, Oklahoma is not known for tornadoes in December, and we ended up having a tornado that night really close to our house. So everything was just like <laughs> throwing signals, throwing signs. So it was just, uh, I think that was my moment of clarity, aha moment, whatever you want to call it. And I was just, it, it's just really weird, you know, and that's that's why to me this time is different because I was getting so many different signals that I've never gotten before, so many different signs, I guess, and uh, it just it, it's just been been different since then, you know. So I think a lot of the reason I've been successful this time from from past times is you talked about it before too in your podcast. Being a, uh, I guess I'm trying to think of the word. You know, I didn't I always just stop drinking, but I never had a plan of why I'm going to stop drinking. You know, mm-hmm. so I think you might have called what do you call it like a I think a dry drunk. drunk is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I always try to do. I would just. I'd, I'd get fed up with it. I'd be tired. I'd be physically tired, mentally tired. And I'm just saying, I'm done. I'm not going to drink anymore, but not really have any mental plan of why, you know, I didn't have any, I went, I've, I've been to a few AA meetings. I'm not going to say they're not my thing. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have, I mean, I like going to AA meetings are fine, but I think I get more benefits from maybe the, the podcast and stuff. Yeah, Joel, I, I got to say, thank you for being authentic, honest, and, and sharing your story. Some of that's comical, but again, I know there's a lot of nodding heads out there going, yep. Uh, I remember I was on a bus ride in Chile going over the going over the Andes, and I woke up and was like, oh, there's throw up all over my shirt and pants. And what woke me up was my glass bottle rolling on the bottom of the bus going ding, 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 hitting all the seats, right? Like we've all been there in some certain, some certain stance. So I appreciate you saying that stuff, right? These aren't the accolades that we will want to be remembered by, but I'm so thankful for mine. And I'm sure you're thankful for your circumstances because that's almost the tipping point that pushes us into the precipice of change and straight up gangster. After those three difficult moments, um, almost not paying for beer, throwing up in the car and and backing into your own car or the new car with your own car, people can double down with that. It's like, Oh, too stressful. I'm drinking more, right? Life just took a major dump on me. I'm the victim, my fault. I, I, you know, I got to go back to alcohol, but no, you didn't do that. You chose sobriety and then you were open up to signs. And I love how you said it. They were just coming at you, the signals, the signs, the message posts, whatever, higher power, if that's what you want to call it. But you're sitting there in Lawton, Oklahoma, and I'm sharing a story how I die of a tornado in a dream in Lawton, Oklahoma. You have a tornado warning. As I mentioned, listeners, I read this email. I was like, damn, I got to get Joel on the podcast and have a conversation with this guy. Um, it's total badass where you're at right now, 51 days away from alcohol. Because when I read each one of those external circumstances that were still working in your favor, right? They're, that's why you're sober right now. I read those. It's like, holy shit. I can only imagine what it's like to back up into your own new car with your car, right? That's rough. That's rough. So let's chat about your time away from alcohol. Um, what was day one like? What was the first week like? Have you had any cravings? I imagine so. Day one and day two, maybe day three was very, you know, I mean, I think everybody would know if they've been through this. It's very, you, you look forward to it. You're like, man, I'm finally doing this. Hell yeah, I'm done with this crap. You start making out all these plans. And then once the alcohol leaves your system, about day three, day four, day five, goddamn depression is, the depression and the anxiety is through the roof, or it was for me anyways, you know, probably the first after about day four, day five, it, it got horrible. You know, I mean, it was probably one of the lowest points in my life, probably, you know, I mean, I was still very optimistic about things. But at the same time, 
your brain chemistry is off and you're trying to fix yourself and all that kind of stuff. And it just, man, if I didn't stay busy, it was, it was hard. I mean, I had to find things to do, you know, uh, go to the gym, get up, walk. You know, when I started feeling anxious, I just get up and go walk around the block, you know, throw on Netflix, something just to stay busy. But the first two weeks was probably the hardest thing I've ever went through. And then after that, things started to get better, but probably really in the last I would say two weeks, things have been awesome. I feel better now than I've ever felt in my life, I feel like. You know, energy levels are high. I st- I'm starting to look better. I feel better. My wife said my my temperament's a lot better around the house. You know, I'm doing stuff again because, of, I mean, during my deepest, you know, alcoholism, I never wanted to leave the house. I wanted to stay in the garage. That was my, that's where I, that's where I stayed. You know, I'd stay in my little corner of the garage, shotgun my beers, and then just look for stuff to do in the garage because I had to guard my little area over there. You know what I mean? That I didn't want anybody to find out. So, but now that all that's gone, you know, I'm, I'm back outside doing things again. I'm keeping the yard up, you know, I'm doing laundry, you know, I'm going, like I said, I'm going to the gym. I'm just being a, a functional member of society again, you know, and I, I haven't been that way in a long time, but it feels great. The last two or three weeks have been, have been my motivation to keep this going. I mean, if it keeps getting this much better every week, God dang, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So I'm, I'm totally looking forward to it and never looking back at that poisonous bullshit again, you know, cause it's like I'm out of jail. <laughs> you know, I said earlier, I was a prisoner for a long time and I am set free. So I feel good. Listeners, for the first couple hundred RE interviews, it was done over Skype and we didn't have video just to make sure the internet connection was 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 better. But now we, we do it via Zoom and I can see I can see Joel. He looks great. And around his face, he's just got this great energy. So I second, I you said your energy levels are, are up. You feel good. You look good. And I just I'm just a random stranger telling you that, giving you some feedback. So yeah, you look great, man. And I want to cover the depression thing, day four or five. So alcohol is highly tied to the dopamine system, right? When we take a drink, dopamine spikes anywhere from 100 to 3 to 350%, depending on tolerance and how long you've been drinking or whatnot. So yes, when we stop drinking after acute drinking for a prolonged period of time, it's the dopamine system rebalancing itself. So listeners, if you're three, four, five days away from alcohol and be like, that Paul Churchill guy's full of shit, sobriety sucks, just give it some time. Um, in fact, Dr. Anna Lemke in her book, Dopamine Nation, calls it a dopamine fast, right? What goes up must come down. And if we keep hijacking the dopamine system over a prolonged period of time, um, we're no longer drinking to feel good. We're drinking to just feel normal. So give yourself some time. And I think you talked about, you know, you, you said the last two weeks. So that was like day day 35 on. You really started to hit your stride. Um, but how did you make it through those day, those the four, day four, five, six, seven, eight? I know you said Netflix staying busy, but was there a time when you're like, "Fuck this, I'm going back"? And 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 how did you not listen to that thought in the brain? Man, I uh, I think the month of January, I walked over 150 miles on a treadmill is what I added up. So that I had to develop, I guess you would call it a very strict routine, or maybe even another addiction. I mean, I. I am so strict now about my routine. I get up every morning at 4.30 in the morning. I get up, I drink my coffee, and I get up and I go to the treadmill. I walk on the treadmill for an hour, an hour and a half. And after that, it's complete silence. I usually sit in my car or sit in my bedroom if nobody's in there or whatever, and just complete silence and just think, you know, and I've never done that. But I've never, I've never really done that before. I've never been able to do that kind of stuff with my mind. So in day two, three, four, five, I was on the treadmill a lot. You know, I'd, uh, I'd put my headphones in, like watch Netflix and walk and just keep myself busy. But anytime 
during those two or three, four or five days, maybe up until the first two or three weeks, if I started feeling anxious, I just got up and I went to walk. If I was at home, I went and walked around the block. If I was at work, I would just get up out of my office and go walk the sales floor or do something. But I mean, walking has been my been my escape, I think. So that was really it for me. You said there was so time to be silent and to think. Listeners, when you quit drinking, you are invited to get to know the most badass person in the world, and that's yourself, right? When we're drinking, we're neglecting the inner child, the inner self. Anything that's self-care just goes out the window. I love how you said that. You're waking up at 4.30 in the morning, hitting the treadmill. It doesn't have to be quite that rigid for everybody, of course, but I love the fact you said routine and sitting down to think and getting to know yourself. So, Joel, why are you quitting drinking? What's on your bucket list in sobriety? Um, health. I mean, health and uh, just mental, my mental, mental health too. I mean, physical health, mental health. Uh, I want to continue a great relationship with my wife. I want to see my daughter grow up. I mean, I mean, probably my biggest motivator would be my family. I mean, my daughter's 14 years. Ugh, I want to be a role model for her. You know, it's now looking back on that. It's embarrassing to think some of the stuff I've done around her, some of the risk that I put her through, you know, I don't want her to ever have to grow up with that kind of stuff. But yeah, looking looking ahead, my biggest motivator would be my my health, my mental health, and then my family and and stuff like that. So I don't I don't ever plan on drinking again. I'm I'm scared to death of it. I've never really feared it before, but now looking back at it, thinking that's really the only thing that's like ever controlled me and made me do some of the things I've done. And if it's that powerful, I don't I could care less. I could I fucking hate alcohol. I mean, I'm excuse the language, but I cannot stand that stuff from the damage that it's done. Some of the time that I'll never get back. And I guess that kind of fuels my hate fire too. I never, I never want to see it, smell it, taste it. I, I can't stand it. You know, I think I said at the beginning of the meeting, I hate that stuff and never felt that way about it. You know, I kind of, I kind of leaned on it and relied on it a lot over the last few years, but for what reason? I mean, I didn't get anything out of it other than, extra weight and <laughs> depression, you know? So Joel, I echo your sentiments towards alcohol. In fact, I have a book called alcohol is shit. <laughs> I, yeah. do I totally agree. It almost it killed me. Joel, what have you learned about yourself in this last 51 days? I, I mean, I'm a lot stronger than, than I, than I ever thought I was. I mean, as far as being able to get, to be on a routine, you know, like I said, I was, I'd always I don't know. I'd always done the same things every day. You know, I'd, I'd get up seven in the morning. I'd go to work. I'd come home. I'd drink. I mean, I'd done, I was, I'm, I'm all about a routine, but you know, I never thought I would be able to, to walk 150 miles on a treadmill in a month or what, or run, you know, I, I walk and run, but just, you know, it's the mind is, is a lot stronger than I ever thought it was, you know, and I'm a lot, a lot more disciplined, I guess, than I thought I ever was, you know, but alcohol keeps you from doing that kind of stuff. You know, you can't have that kind of stuff in your life if you want to be a, you know, a disciplined person and, and do the right things. I mean, some people may, but not if you're an addict, not if you're an alcoholic. Uh, it just doesn't work. You know, I've had people within the last few weeks, you know, oh, you can have one. You know, we we just got back from a uh, like a manager's conference and uh, it's a party, you know, and I chose to spend most of my time in my hotel room or in the gym or whatever. And, you know, people that don't know me very well were like, oh, you can have one. Why aren't you drinking this and that? But I have to explain to them, hey, I'm, it's, I'm not that type of person. You know, I can't have one. If I do, 51 days is gone, you know. so Yeah, Joel, and what's the response when you tell people uh, either in work or and also what was your response with your wife? 
my response with people at work is just, you know, Hey, I'm just, I, I don't drink anymore. I'm, it's not good for me. You know, I'm trying to get healthy, but my wife, she knows, I mean, she knows what kind of person it makes me. It makes me lazy, unmotivated, hateful, whatever. So, but my response to her, why I'm quitting drinking is, I mean, the obvious, I mean, just the shit show that was happening over the last two or three months. And then just me as a person, I mean, over the last couple of years, like I said, it's, it's progressively gotten worse as far as this isolation, you know, we'd get into fights because I'd go stay in the garage. We'd get in fights because I would be an hour late home from work because I was driving down there drinking or whatever. But, you know, to her, it's just my response to her is just, I, I, I mean, I, I can't keep putting you guys through the same kind of crap. So it has to stop. Yeah. Joel, I got one more question before we get into the rapid fire round. And, and that's earlier you said that use the, the term dry drunk or was inquiring about that. You know, how are you navigating sobriety or staying away from alcohol and not being a dry drunk? I think earlier you said you've been to AA, it's not quite for you, which totally fine. I get it. Um, what's your program look like? How are you doing it on a daily basis? Um, I mean, I, I, I follow a lot of groups. I listen to your podcast probably every day when I get a chance. I mean, I drive a lot. I drive from town to town, so I have a lot of time to listen. But really, my resources are, you know, podcasts like yours. And then, you know, I, I follow a lot of people on, you know, social media, social media. And then me and my wife talk a lot. You know, I mean, she she's very understanding of what happened uh, in the beginning. She wasn't, you know, but I think she understands now that it was a lot more out of my control than than we initially realized. So she's understanding now. We have a lot of conversations about it. And, uh, you know, thank God she's been as supportive as she has, because if it wasn't, I mean, I don't know if it wasn't for her and my little girl, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So I think a lot of the people, people are the resources, you know, and, and people like you that, that give out good advice and help. So, but AA meetings, hopefully I can get on a little bit better cycle with them, I guess, a little bit better routine with them. But uh, like I said, I went to a couple, but I find more of the the podcasts and this, you know, the the help from social media and the, the group I've got on there a little bit. They're pretty helpful. Yeah, Joel, I want to say thank you for listening to the Recovery yeah. Elevator podcast. Thank you to those who are listening right now to this podcast. Joel, you are part of this alcohol-free movement that is gaining momentum daily across the globe and has been for about 150 years now, went from the temperance movement in the late 1800s, AA 1935, and we have a whole new fleet or suite of tools like technology like we're using right now. So you, you're part of this, my man, and thank yeah. you for sharing your story. And before we get to the rapid fire round, I almost said it earlier, I've only shared this story one time, but with the second one, when you threw up in, in your wife's brand new car, this prompted me to, to think about it. I'm going to say it one more time. Um, in my early twenties, I think end of college, we came home on, on winter break and, uh, puke and rallied. I threw up in a window well. And about three hours later, I got hungry, looked out the window well, and there was a piece of potato that apparently I had not chewed. It was still square. All the corners were intact. I think there was still some spice on it. I know it's disgusting. Listeners, bear with me. I ate I ate the potato that was in my throw up. There was a film. Somebody was filming the evening and we threw the, we threw the, yeah, threw the video in the VCR. It was a VCR then or whatever. And I remember watching my friend peeing out the window well on my throw up about five minutes before I ate my potato out of my own throw up that my friend had just pissed on. 
right there. I was like, God damn it. This is not the direction my life wants to go. Sorry, listeners, if that was a little much for you, but um, there was that authentic connection. I just felt compelled with Joel to, to get that out there. All right, Joel, we have hit the rapid fire round. You can answer these questions within 10 to 30 seconds. That would be great. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. First one, what's the best sober moment you've had? Um, Probably, well, number one, getting through Christmas, getting through New Year's. And then uh, this is always kind of my trying trial time of the year. You know, it seems like I always want to try to drink. I'd always have a New Year's resolution, want to try to drink at the end of the year. But the holidays always got me. You know, New Year's always got me. My manager's conference we go to always got me. So I would have to say my best moment was getting through that. And now, I mean, I've got the rest of the year to work on it. So, yeah, I've got to comment. Hell yeah, I'm making it through the holidays. Yeah. Um, all right. What's your favorite alcohol free drink? Well, cough. I drink a lot of coffee during the day and then, uh, you know, just tonic water. Uh, well, not tonic water, but like sparkling water, flavored water, stuff like that. Sugar free. I don't, I don't drink pop or anything. So, Joel, what's the point of life? Um, raise a family, take care of your family and, uh, you know, keep your legacy moving, moving on a good legacy, you know, n- not to be remembered by a drunk, you know, or a, a loser or anything like that. You know, I want to, I want to be a good dad to my daughter and, and be remembered by, you know, someone that made an impact, you know, just raise a good family. Yeah. Joel, what's your favorite eighties band? Eighties. God, uh, I don't know, it was Metallica 80s. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you had a pet armadillo, what would you name it? Um, Burrow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What's your favorite recovery quote or a saying that'll get you through hard times? I guess maybe just push, push through it. You know, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, the first two or three days is scary. It's hard. It's, it will drain you but if you can just get through those three or four days which felt like forever trust me i mean it feels like for freaking ever if you can get through those first three five seven days there's a very 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 bright light at the end of the tunnel and it's awesome you know things smell better they look better feel better i mean taste better i mean it's it's amazing so just get through those just get through those two weeks and you'll be on with a new life all right, two more questions, Joel. You're doing great. What parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners? Just don't uh, don't try and and be a dry drunk. If you if you seriously want to quit drinking, you're gonna fail if you just try to if you just try to put the bottle down, and quit drinking without any other plan. You know, it took me a long time to realize that. But you need somebody, you know, like you, a podcast, somebody like that, and like the lady that I have on social media. I check check in with her every week. It's it's kind of the highlight of my. Tuesday because I met her on a Tuesday and every other Tuesday I'm like hey today is week three today is week four you know and it I don't know it makes me feel good and it makes her feel good you know it's kind of accountability I guess Mm -hmm. yeah and Joel before we depart give listeners your own customized you might need to ditch the booze if line well I guess if you throw up in your wife's car and then uh, still smell the aftermath a month later (laughs) or count your ounces of beer so you know not to have a hangover that was my thing too is I knew how many ounces it would take before I'd have a hangover the next day. <laughs> so, yeah, Joel, thank you so much for sharing your story on the Recovery Elevator podcast. Much appreciated. You bet. I'm, thank you for giving me the give me the time. Yeah, thank you, Joel. Sorry, guys, we are still on goats. On one of my recent trips to Costa Rica, I met a sober goat farmer in Guanacaste who makes the best goat cheese ever. 
I plan on getting goats at my place in Costa Rica, and I hope to offer nature walks with guests and these animals, perhaps at the brick-and-mortar cafe relocation, which is just a dream or a series of thoughts that are swirling around in the brain at the moment, but without alcohol, it's a possibility. Recovery Elevator, go big, because eventually we all go home. I love you guys. Get it.